Hello, this is Jamie Pittner with another episode of Zen in the ER. Uh, today we're going to talk about a thing called therapeutic communication. You know, we know communication is important in healthcare. It's, we have to elicit assessment and history and, you know, we want patients to think that we're nice people and that we're communicating well and, you know, it's obviously all helps us uh, do our job and hopefully gives the impression to the patient that we care about them and uh, we're doing the right thing. The problem is, is that we just kind of do things by habit, and very often we make mis one mistake after another. Uh, let's take triage. How often uh, have you, or have you heard a nurse in triage say, uh, when they greet a patient, hey, what brought you here today? Now, all right, so that could be answered in a lot of different ways, couldn't it? I've actually heard a patient respond, oh, my, my son-in-law drove me. Uh, so, you know, that communication isn't that effective, is it? And what do you think about that kind of communication? Did it express any kind of caring or compassion or interest in the patient? Or does the patient kind of feel a little put off by that? Here's a simple therapeutic communication technique that kind of rectifies this. When you greet a patient for the first time in triage, simply say, how are you feeling? See, that is an open-ended question to hopefully get right to the point. And that's the goal of triage because we're pressured by all those other people in the lobby or waiting room or waiting to get in and we want to really get to the point as quickly as possible. And at the same time, we want that patient to be relaxed so they can give us accurate information. It's important because oftentimes the mistakes made in triage is where we really haven't heard the patient or the patient wasn't able to tell us some key bits of information that often we'll find out later after the in the emergency department. Sometimes people question, hey, you did triage on this patient, right? Did they tell you that they were a diabetic? Now, the reason for this is really quite simple, is that everybody who comes to the emergency department or the hospital for that fact is stressed. And we know that a part of the stress response is that you release stress hormones, one of them being cortisol. Well, it's a fact that in studies they found that cortisol limits mental recall. So when someone's stressed, they're not going to be able to give you all the information that is important to their care because they just simply may not recall it at the moment. It comes to them later, perhaps, when they're able to relax just a little bit more. Now, we all know how this works. We've experienced it. Say you're um, at some uh, big gathering, a wedding reception or event, and you're talking with some friends or family, and an acquaintance walks into the room, and you know who they are, but for some reason you just can't remember their name. And as they approach closer, the name gets further and further from you. Yet later, if you say to everyone, hey, you know what, let's go to the buffet line and uh, get dinner now. It looks like there's uh, room. And as you're talking and laughing and uh, filling your plate with uh, delicious food, suddenly, bam, like a light bulb going off, that name comes to your mind. So why did it come to you? Well, in the stress of the moment, it was fleeting. But when that veil of stress is lifted along with its lower level of cortisol, the information that was in your mind comes through. Uh, you made the request and it followed through for you, sometimes when you least expect it. This is why it's so important to do your best to help alleviate stress for every patient that comes through the door, especially triage. 
They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's in store for them. They're stressed. I mean, even the ones who are laughing or joking underneath are feeling the stress response. Why? Because if nothing else, they had to interrupt their entire day, leave their family or their pets, their work, uh, disrupt their whole schedule to come to the emergency department. They're worried about getting in. They're worried about uh, being able to explain their problem correctly and to have uh, the treatment they need. And of course, they're also afraid of what that treatment may be. Uh, what's one of the biggest fears that people have that we really discount for the most part is getting a needle. And let's face it, how many people get labs drawn in the emergency department? They're all getting needles. We think nothing of it because it's one of the least invasive procedures that we do in the emergency department. But it's not to the patient. It's a big deal. Perhaps even as they considered coming into the ER, they're thinking, oh my gosh, am I going to get a needle? I hate getting needles. It always hurts and leaves a big bruise on my arm that I have for weeks later. One of the other challenges in triage is narrowing down to exactly what the problem is. You know, it's a key goal of the nurse to just get this nailed down and make sure the patient's triaged appropriately. But you know, oftentimes people are a little nervous and, and can sometimes be scattered and give you a variety of different symptoms or issues or perhaps things that have happened before but are not happening now. So a simple question might be, after you ask them, hey, how are you feeling, could be a simple phrase like, tell me what's concerning you most. That's another great way to get right to the heart of the matter, which saves a lot of time for you and them. And one of the biggest issues in triage, yes, pain. How are you going to assess that pain? Yes, well, often the nurse will say, because it's just habit, everybody does it, can you give that pain you have a number on a zero to 10 scale, zero being nothing and 10 being the worst possible pain you've ever felt in your life? Now we know what's wrong with that statement because you've just asked them to recall previous painful experiences. Recalling previous painful experiences can enhance the experience of pain right now. In fact, all sensory information, including painful sensations, are processed in the outside layer of the brain, the S1 cortex. The painful memories manifest themselves in alterations to this S1 cortex, and that can contribute to a hypersensitivity even when there's no other peripheral stimulation. Uh, in addition to that, the stress response by recalling these memories can bring about the stress response with tight muscles and high blood pressure and heart rate and so on. And that worsens the current experience of pain. Well, another approach would be to say, I'm sorry, this is causing such discomfort, uh, but we're gonna do all we can to get you feeling better. Then you can set things up just a little bit differently. Say, you know, I just need you to give me um, a number representing pain. Uh, zero is none, perhaps completely gone, and 10 is the highest. See, when you say 10 is the highest, it doesn't elicit any recall of previous painful experiences. Saying 10 is the highest is really a neutral term, and it provides uh, an ending for it, perhaps avoiding the typical response you get from so many patients, oh, my pain's at 12 or 15. With 10 being the highest, you can't go over 10, and so this gives you a much more accurate and reliable a pain scale to go by to gauge patients' comfort and their progress through treatment and recovery. Another thing that causes patient stress are these handoffs from one person to another. So the triage nurse walks 
the patient back or get someone to escort the patient back to a room where they are assigned a nurse to take care of them. And of course, the doctor will come in as well. But I think it's very important that these transitions are explained to the patient. So the triage might say, oh, you know what, I'm going to give you nurse. Her name is Kathy, and Kathy is very experienced. She just does a great job. Love working with her. She's going to take really good care of you. You're in good hands with Kathy. Another important thing to communicate is the basic plan for what's going to happen with them. You know, the worst fears are the fear of the unknown. So if you can tell the patient as many things that you will do for them while they're there, it will help alleviate that fear of the unknown. You can let the patient know that you're a chest pain center, for instance, and that you have a protocol to take care of patients with chest pain. And some of the things they may expect are getting the EKG, having their blood drawn, having a chest x-ray done. And as they see these things happen, they can rest assured that everything is being done that needs to be done and that you're going to take good care of them. And one more thing, it's okay to tell patients that everything's going to be okay. To tell them the worst is over. You're here now, safe and sound, and we're going to take really good care of you. We're going to do all we can to get you feeling better. Now, let's say you have to start an IV on a patient. As you set up, you're preparing your equipment, and you may clean the area with alcohol and get ready to stick the patient with the needle. And you say, okay, you're going to feel a little pinch, or it may be like a bee sting. This might hurt a little bit, but I'll get it over with as quickly as possible. So what you've done is you've just prepared the patient for an experience of pain and they're going to tense up. Now you can't kind of just sneak up and start the IV. You have to have given some warming preparation. So really the best thing to do is to tell your patient, okay, we have to start an IV and it's important to associate everything you do with some positive reasoning or outcome. So you're not just starting an IV because, and have you ever had a patient say, oh, why do you have to do that? And that's why it's on people's minds, even if they haven't verbalized it. So you tell them, hey, we have to start an IV to give you medications or fluids to get you feeling better. Okay, that's a good reason. And uh, now they've associated what might be a painful procedure with a positive outcome. Uh, Much more palatable, isn't it? Now, as you prepare the patient, you say, "Uh, all right, I'm gonna start the IV you may feel a little pressure. So that term is more neutral, isn't it? Pressure isn't particularly a painful sensation like a stick or a bee sting or other types of pain. And the reason for this is that there are people, and I've started thousands of IVs, as many people have over our careers, and some people go, oh, I didn't feel a thing. And other people go, ouch. So if even that's 50-50, then why would we assume that someone's going to experience pain when at least 50% of the time they may not? And in fact, if we use the right therapeutic communication, may be able to increase that percentage of people who experience uh, greater and greater comfort. Now, therapeutic communication also works for very simple procedures like applying oxygen with a nasal cannula. So often when a patient comes in and oxygen is ordered, we uh, just put the nasal cannula on and turn the, uh, the leader flow on and never mention anything to the patient about it. We're missing a great opportunity. So the approach to this is to say, okay, I'm going to give you 100% oxygen to help you feel better or to help you breathe better. 
whatever it may be. We're utilizing the power of association. We're associating the benefit of that oxygen to that individual. And this is another form of expressing caring. Also, when giving medication, it's important to tell the patient what the medication is and what its desired effect is. So if you're going to give solumedrol, uh, which is an anti-inflammatory or steroid, then you can say, I'm going to give you this solumedrol, and it is to help reduce inflammation, to help with your condition, to help you breathe better, to help you feel better. You could be giving an albuterol nebulized breathing treatment. So it's important to say, I'm going to give you albuterol, which is a powerful and effective bronchodilator to help you breathe easier. So breathe deeply and slowly as you're using that nebulizer and we'll see how much better you feel. Perhaps you're going to administer some IV pain medication and as you give it, you can tell the patient, well, your pain was rated at an eight. Perhaps we can see that come down seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Wouldn't that be great? And as you're counting down, you may just wave your hand down as well as a, a visual signal of that coming down. And then it's always fun to say something like, all right, let that medication work its magic, and I'll be back in a few minutes to see how much better you're feeling. So therapeutic communication allows you to communicate with the patient what you're doing and why you're doing it and what the desired outcome is. You're laying out the path for their care, all the while expressing your desire for them feeling better and having a positive outcome. And this reinforces the feeling of compassion and caring for that patient. Now, it's very important also to align your verbal communication with your body language. In the ER, we're always so busy and multitasking that we're communicating with the patient while we're typing on the computer or uh, pulling things out of the cabinet or moving around the room and never often may even making eye contact with the patient. So it's very important to have a few tricks and tips that you can utilize um, to align your verbal and nonverbal communication. One of these things is simply think heart to heart. So when you're communicating with a patient, direct your heart toward their heart, and you're immediately making connection even before a word is spoken. Another simple tip is just to remember that whatever is in your head will manifest itself in your body. So whatever you're thinking, if it's stressful, you're going to be more tense and uh, perhaps look more unapproachable than you would rather want. But if you can prepare yourself by just taking a moment to take in a deep breath, clear your mind for just a moment, think about what positive outcome you want for your patient and how you want them to benefit, then that will manifest itself in your body as well. Even before a word is spoken, you'll be expressing healing and caring for your patient. Well, that's it for now. I hope you enjoyed this segment of Zen in the ER. Signing off, this is Jamie Pittner. Thank you.